Good morning. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. At FCC, we acknowledge the truth of everything taught to us in God's holy word. Let us hear what God is saying to us today. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, or follow along the screen behind me or in your digital device. But now, now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will provide the world, or he will prove the world, to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Please pray with me. Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak. For you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That, too, is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. 
While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's Spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's Spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so, today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. Well, good morning. Glad you're with us today, whether you're here in the sanctuary or whether you're with us on, at, at home online. Uh, we hope that you have a, a great day as you're blessed uh, as we look at God's word and as you spent time with us in worship. Today we are finishing up the sermon series that we kicked off back in early January entitled The, the Unseen World. And the, the, the idea, the premise behind the sermon series is we're looking at this, this spiritual realm, the, the, the unseen world that's described in the scriptures that is beyond and, and above uh, the, the, the physical material world in which we, we live and breathe and look around and see things and touch things. And, and, and as we've looked at this unseen world, we've kind of identified the primary characters. We have, uh, we have God, the Son, Father, and Holy Spirit. We have his, the angels aligned with forces of good. We have Satan and his demons and, and the powers and principalities that are aligned with the forces of evil. We, we see that. Uh, we, are, we, we established that we're in this, uh, this, this battle uh, that's going on in this unseen world. And our enemies are not other people. Um, there, our enemies are, are Satan, the forces of darkness. And we are, to, we are to fight with different weapons than the world does. Uh, uh, there are spiritual strongholds that we need to be aware of and, and work to tear down in our lives or families or even society. And, um, and, and today we're going to come to the place where we are looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a big topic, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we could do a whole sermon series on the topic of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we're not going to do that now, but we will at some point in, in the near future, I, th- I think. And, uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to hit upon a couple big picture thoughts and ideas about the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives, and, and what does the Holy Spirit tend to produce? Uh, and again, that's just we're just going to have a small part of, of this today. There's a tremendous amount of confusion and controversy 
about the, the Holy Spirit in, in a lot of churches. Uh, A.W. Tozer once wrote that when the average Christian thinks about the Holy Spirit, he is likely to imagine a, a nebulous substance like a wisp of invisible smoke, which is said to be present in churches and to hover over good people when they die. You know, you know part of our problem is, 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 is the confusion comes from because the Holy Spirit, it, it's, it seems so mystical, you know. We think of God the Father, and we can, we can picture sort of that because we, we all have fathers or, we, or we've seen fathers out in the world. We have some experience or frame of reference. Uh, we, we can picture uh, God the Son a, a little bit because, you know, in the scriptures we see Jesus come to earth as a human being, and we can see how he lived and how he acted and, and draw some conclusions about, you know, what he might be. We can kind of get a picture in our mind. But... But when we think about the Holy Spirit, we try to picture the Holy Spirit, our, our minds go a little bit blank, a little bit fuzzy, it's a little bit vague. Uh, and we tend to end up thinking of symbols like, you know, a dove or, or wind or, or, or fire. In different churches, they tend to emphasize the Holy Spirit in, in different ways. Uh, some churches focus on the, on the signs and the wonders, the more miraculous signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit moving. And that's a great thing. And that's in Scripture. Um, some churches tend to emphasize the Spirit's work in, in bringing attention to Christ and, and helping us apply and understand the Scriptures. That's a good thing as well. Uh, some churches focus on the Holy Spirit working through, through, uh, through church history and, and, and some traditions and doctrines and creeds, and, and, and that's a good thing as well. And, you know, unfortunately, churches sometimes have split over how to understand the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes I hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, like it, like the Holy Spirit's like a laser beam, you know, that God zaps us to correct us or, or to guide us or, or to keep us on the right path or, or whatever it might be. Uh, but the, if the Christian belief and doctrine of the Trinity is true, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity, three gods in one, one in three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. Well, if that's true, then the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Uh, the Trinity tells us that the Holy Spirit is a divine person, that the Spirit is, is God, just as God the Father is God and God the Son is God. And so, therefore, he's worthy of our worship and, and, our, and our praise. You know, the, the, the books of the Bible present God the Father as our creator and God the Son as our Savior and as God the Spirit as the one who, 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 who takes the truth and applies it in our lives and helps us to, to understand and to grow. Uh, another way to think of it might be helpful for you is to think of God the Father as God for us, God the Son as God with us, and God the Holy Spirit as God in us. And I think, you know, Christians of most stripes would agree with that statement. God the Father, God for us, God the Son, God with us, and God the Holy Spirit is God in us. Uh, so we could probably agree about that, but the real confusion comes not in who the Holy Spirit is, but in what he does. Because... The Holy Spirit makes God real to us. I mean, otherwise, it's just sort of a dry thing. The Holy Spirit brings things to life in us, brings us to life. He brings us into an experience with God through Jesus Christ. And, and that's where you can have some differences because each one of us is a different person with a different background, different experiences, different hurts and wounds and needs, different personalities. And so we experience God a little bit differently because of that. God meets us as individuals. And so sometimes people can draw conclusions about the Holy Spirit based upon their own personal experience. 
Well, Jesus himself, he likened to the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit to the wind. You know, we saw that in the video. You, you now, as Kansas, we understand wind. You know, we, we can't see wind. We can feel wind. We can see the effects of wind. We, we, we can't see the, the molecules of air moving real quickly. But we can see a tree that's uprooted after a storm with a high wind. In a similar way, we can't see the Holy Spirit since he's a, a non-physical being or person. But we can know him by his effects, by, by what he does in the lives of individuals, in the lives of, of, of a church, in, in, in the world around us. You know, the, the Bible often associates the Holy Spirit with this idea of, of freedom. And who doesn't like freedom? We all love to be free. We're kind of itching for more freedom in what's going on in our world right now. And the Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 3. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to look at this idea of, of freedom and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at four different freedoms that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. And we're going to attach that to a kind of a descriptor or a name of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is the Holy Spirit as the counselor or the advocate, as it says in John 16. And the first freedom is the Holy Spirit produces is, is the freedom of, of salvation. Hang with me and we'll, we'll, we'll explain this. So again, a couple of verses from John 16. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. So Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm leaving. It's for your good. It's better that I'm gone. Okay. Unless I go away, the advocate or counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, now the Greek word translated for counselor here, it doesn't have an exact equivalent in the English language. But the, the word that's used here is the word paraclete. And it simply means one who's call, who comes alongside of another to provide assistance. So, for example, what's a paramedic do? They come alongside somebody to provide medical assistance and help. A paraclete is someone who comes alongside another person to offer help. And Jesus tells us that part of what the Holy Spirit does as the paraclete in this passage is to convict people of, of, of sin, to to open their eyes to their true spiritual condition. You know, we as human beings, we have this incredible ability to, to rationalize our behavior, to justify our behavior and attitudes. Uh, we, we don't always see our blind spots very well, do we? And so the, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside us and, and to show us our need for the Lord, our need for help. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and, and, and through a supernatural power uh, opens our eyes to our, our standing before God and our need for him. And without that, that wouldn't simply happen. Paul writes uh, this in 1 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so what, what he's saying here is our confession of Christ's lordship is tied directly to the activity of the Holy Spirit. Another way to say this is, apart from the work of God's Spirit, none of us would become Christians. You know, Without the Spirit, none of us would turn away from our sins and, and confess Jesus as Lord. We, we often use the phrase, like, I discovered Jesus, I found Jesus. You know, But that's a little bit of a, 
a, a mis, misnomer, I guess you could say, because the scripture plainly tells us that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us, who prompts us, who prods us, who cajoles us, who coaxes us, who woos us, who wins us to Jesus Christ. In fact, you know, when you, when you look back at your life, you can pinpoint you know, places where, where the Spirit was at work in your life before you became a Christian. You know, a person that, that, that was brought into your path, a, a circumstance that just kind of happened in your life, a coincidence, a, you know, a, 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 a sermon that you happened just to hear or, or a song that you just happened to be, be uh, on the radio when you need it. So it's things like that. You can look back and you can see how the Holy Spirit worked in your life to bring you to faith in Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is the freedom to, to come to, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Next, let's take a look at another passage that Paul wrote from Ephesians chapter 1. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the praise of his glory. So, so Paul here says that that the moment when we trust in Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit marks us with a seal. Now, in ancient times, you would use a seal. We don't use it much anymore. But you would use a seal to authenticate something, to make it secure. New Testament scholar Gordon Fee writes, A seal denoted ownership and authenticity. This thereby guaranteed the protection of the owner. It, it's like... Um, it showed that it was real. It's like the diploma I received from the University of Kansas years ago or the diploma I received from seminary. And if you look at those diplomas, each one has an official seal that says this is genuine. He, he's an alum. He graduated. And the Holy Spirit is, is God's authenticating work in our lives of our faith in Jesus Christ. It seals us as God's child. It's also described as, as a deposit and, and, and here the Holy Spirit is, is the first installment or the, or the down payment of God's pledge to complete what he started in us. You know, one of my favorite verses about this is from uh, Philippians 1, uh, where Paul writes, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete what he started in you. So the Holy Spirit is God's kind of down payment, a deposit to, to show that God will follow through on his pledge to to bring about the work that he started in you and me and all who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior. So the idea of a seal and deposit, it leads us to the second freedom that the Spirit produces in us. It's, it's the freedom to know that we are secure in our relationship with, with God, that we are secure in our relationship with Christ, uh, that we are, we are God's children, that our lives are not our own, that we belong to God, and that's secure, and nothing can change that. That 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 no matter how we fail, no matter how far we stray, that no matter what happens, that God will stand firm in our life through the through the deposit of the Holy Spirit to bring to completion what He's pledged He would do. And the only one who can break that seal is God, and He's promised not to break it. And so we have freedom of, of security in our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit produces that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So the Holy Spirit draws us to faith. And the Holy Spirit seals us as one of God's children. And it's a deposit that God isn't going to give up on us. But what does the Holy Spirit do when we come to faith in Christ beyond that? Well, in Galatians 5, we have this idea of life in the Spirit. Paul writes, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So there's this idea of of the spiritual life being a journey. It's a process of walking. Again, this is something we can all understand. It's, you know, one step in front of the other, day by day. It's following. That's what disciple means, right? It means to be a follower of Jesus. We just don't come to faith and we kind of sit and we stew and we stagnate. We, We are to follow Jesus. We are to walk step by faith, step by step in faith, following Jesus. And sometimes this, this journey is going to be hard, right? You know, it can be, it can be difficult. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be obstacles. There'll be challenges. There'll be struggles. Uh, just, just by living in a, in a broken world, it happens. Living with broken people, that's going to happen. But, but there's also going to be conflict at times between our old way of life, the sinful nature that wants to pull us back, and in this unseen world, the spiritual realm, where, where the forces of evil want to pull us down and make us unproductive and unfruitful. There's going to be a struggle between that and, and where the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and, and into the newness of life that's been created in us through faith in Jesus. And, and one way to think of it is, is, is if we want to walk in faith, if we want to walk in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's, we need to be tuned into it. Like a, like a band is, is, is in tune and step with their band leader. If they're not, they kind of get disorganized. It doesn't sound good. They're, they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Another way to think of it is, is like the, the image of a, of a coach. A coach, what do they do? They, they have hands-on relational uh, instruction, you know, to correct, to guide, to encourage, to, to, to build belief and confidence. Uh, that's what a good coach do, does. They try to help you reach your potential, you know, as an athlete or, or whatever you're being coached in. And the Holy Spirit comes along, has been sent by, by the Lord to come alongside us as our paraclete to, to offer encouragement, to offer resources to, of power, to, to, uh, to help us understand and apply the word of God rightly, uh, to, to, to correct us, to, just to, to, to encourage us as we walk day by day following Jesus Christ. And so the, the Holy Spirit here produces the freedom to move forward spiritually. What do I mean by that? Have you ever had the experience of you believe the right things and you're reading your Bible, you're praying, but you just feel like you're stuck and you can't move forward. It's frustrating. You, you just kind of beat yourself up. What's going on? Well, it could be just a little bit of a drive here. That happens. But, but sometimes I think a lot of us, we, we're trying to do it in our own strength. It, it's all about, about doing certain practices or, or thinking certain things, but but the Holy Spirit is, we're designed to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not to be our own power, it's to be the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is to fill us and to guide us and to empower us. That's how real growth happens. That's how we move forward spiritually. And so the Holy Spirit produces this power and this freedom for us to break through those barriers and to move forward spiritually and to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. What else does the Spirit do for us as we walk this spiritual journey? In 1 Corinthians 12, we learn that the Spirit provides us gifts. Gifts. So the Holy Spirit is a giver who gives us gifts. What what do I mean by that? Listen to this. 
Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, there was a lot of confusion in the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts. In fact, Paul devotes three chapters uh, to this topic. So obviously it was a big deal. People were comparing spiritual gifts and mine's more important than yours or I have more than yours or all sorts of things like that. Or, and, and, and they were using gifts to bring glory to themselves. And, and Paul writes in the, mix of, in the midst of this, he tries to clear this up. And he says, we are given spiritual gifts. Each person is given a spiritual gift. You can't claim I'm a believer, but I have no gifts. Okay, You have at least one spiritual gift. Many have more than one. And Paul says these gifts are to be used um, not for comparison. They're not to be used uh, for self-glory. These gifts are to be used so that the invisible presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, can be seen and experienced in a very visible way by the people around you. And these gifts are given for the common good, to build up the body of Christ, to encourage the body of Christ. That's one of the the most important reasons why we gather together physically is so that we can encourage each other with the gifts that God uses, has given us, as we apply them together in worship or in classes or or in fellowship. And Paul goes on then to talk about all these different gifts. There's all sorts of them. And this is sometimes where the church churches can disagree. There's all sorts of different gifts. And I don't want to get into that. That's not the point I want to make today. The point is, is the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts. And we're given these gifts with a responsibility. There's freedom in these gifts. We, we, can, we are free to, to use these gifts to serve God and to serve others in ways that are are beyond our, our human ability. But we also have a responsibility when we get these gifts. Now, now think about it this way. Say you, you just get a gift card or a coupon, you won some sort of drawing, and, and you have been given an exotic cruise for your whole family for two weeks. Wouldn't that be incredible? The, the coupon is in your name, but it's for your whole family. And then you start to think, you know, this COVID stuff, we've seen an awful lot of each other. I'm kind of feeling a little stir crazy, you know. I think I'm going to redeem this coupon. I'm going to use it for myself for six weeks. I'll just go off by myself. Now, it might be tempting, but it wouldn't be right, would it? The gift was given to you for the whole family. We are to use our gifts that God has given us to build up the family of God. They aren't just given to us. They are given to the body. It's our responsibility to use them for the body of Christ. You know, I was reading a a sermon this past week where a pastor was talking about this. And he said, if you've been coming here for a while and you're just sitting in a chair and you're unwilling to use your spiritual gifts and use them in ministry, then I just as soon you find another church. Now, pretty blunt, you know, not exactly the recipe for, for church growth. But he's got a point. God's plan is for us to use the gifts that he has given us in the spirit for the common good, not just to sit and, and to squander them. We, we cheat the church and we, we, in a sense, cheat ourselves when we do that. You see, the spiritual health of, of any church is determined primarily, not by how powerful the worship service is, but that's a great blessing, 
or how effective the message might be or prayers are. Those are blessings. Or how wonderful the facility is. That's a blessing. But the spiritual health and power of any church is determined by how many individual members get this. They they walk in the power of the Spirit. And they use their gifts for the benefit of those around them. That's where true power and effectiveness and vitality comes from in a church. People using the gifts that God has given them through the Spirit for the benefit of others. I mean, how exciting is it, you know, to see somebody use the gift of God? You can see God working through them. It's encouraging, isn't it? It's challenging. And it builds your faith. That's what we're to do as the body of Christ with the gifts that God has given us. And we have freedom to do that because of the Spirit's because of the Spirit's gifts to us. So let's re- recap real quick. Um, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And we have the freedom to experience salvation as the Spirit draws us to faith in God. We have the freedom to feel secure in our relationship as the, as the Spirit secures and seals our faith in Him and seals us as God's child and, and makes a deposit, a guarantee that God is not going to give up on us. He's going to keep working in our life until he brings to completion what he's promised he would do. And we have, we have freedom and power to move forward and to, and to grow as individuals in Christ. We can live and in, in walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in us and through us. And we've been given these incredible gifts, these spiritual gifts, and we have freedom to, to use them fruitfully and powerfully, faithfully for the body and for the benefit of the body of Christ. Now, before I, I close up real quickly, I'm going to kind of take a different tack here and talk about something else. Uh, as a staff, we're really excited because a week from today, we're going to be starting something really cool. We're excited about this. And it's something that anybody can do, and we're excited to do it with you. I know the youth went through this recently, and, and we thought we're going to steal this idea from them. It, it was, it had, they saw some great things, and we want to make this available to everybody. But it's going to be 40 days of, of prayer. Now, you might think, whoa. That sounds a little overwhelming. Uh, four minutes are a challenge, much less 40 days of prayer. So, but this is doable. You can do this. And, and we're, we're encouraging you to do this because we really believe that as, as we seek God's face in prayer, as we spend time in his word, as we, as we do this together as a body of Christ, as we seek the Holy Spirit's filling us, uh, great things are going to happen. We're going to see growth. We're going to see in our lives spiritually, in our marriages, and in our families, in our, in our church. And we're going to be encouraged, even in the midst of this weird time where we're just, we feel disconnected from so many things that are part of our, you know, kind of our normal experience spiritually. So we want to do this together. And um, the resources we're going to provide for you, um, we encourage you, there's a book called Draw the Circle. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson. And uh, it's, it's kind of a devotional uh, kind, of, uh, um, uh, kind of journal sort of thing you can use. Uh, and there's 40 different chapters. They're very short, three, two, three, four pages. So it's doable, uh, encouraging with kind of an emphasis of prayer that you can focus on. You don't have to do it, but we'd love to have you join us with that. Uh, and at the very least, we're going to put also out some videos as a church staff, 40 different ones, one for each day. Each one will be 60 to 90 seconds long. And hopefully that will be an encouragement for you as well. So we hope you'll join us uh, for these 40 days of prayer starting next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your love for us. And uh, we thank you for 
uh, the gift of your spirit, uh, that Jesus uh, sent the this, this spirit to be with us and the spirit guides us and, and draws us to faith in you and the spirit convicts us of sin and, and corrects us and the spirit seals us and, and guarantees us the spirit. Uh, we can walk with the spirit each and every day. We don't have to feel far from you, Lord. We can experience your presence through the, the seeking and filling of the Holy Spirit daily. And, Father, we just pray that we would use the gifts the Spirit gives us for the benefit of all around us and that we would truly know the freedom that the Spirit has come to give because of you has promised us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom. So, Lord, thank you for the gift of your Spirit. And we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name, asking for the Spirit's filling. Amen.